Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. And uh, it looks like it is going to be a solo show uh, while I cover off on... Uh, some, uh, I guess, some current news that is kind of old news uh, for New Zealand rugby uh, in the fact that it is uh, not, apparently, not um, fit for purpose um, is uh, what uh, we have just heard them say. And just to check my car's locked outside, hearing uh, <laughs> the beep go. Um, and uh, also we'll cover off on the uh, games from the uh, weekend um, on uh, as, as well, uh, having a, uh, a chat this evening. We'll be looking at doing our or doing my uh, sort of Super, uh, World Rugby World Cup preview show um, next week. Now, sorry, this hasn't come out on Monday. Um, we are late um, with them uh, with the show. I know it's a Thursday night, but hey, uh, it has uh, been rather fortuitous with the news that's come out today uh, for New Zealand rugby. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if it'll be Monday or Tuesday night that I'll be able to get out to the uh, World Rugby World Cup um, preview show uh, next week due to um, personal commitments. Um, and basically, am I at home or not on Monday night, um, effectively, is uh, what uh, that comes down to. Um, and uh, yeah, Chris Ozaley joined us in the live chat here there on YouTube. Uh, says England not for purpose. Yeah, you're right about that too. Um, I am very concerned about how England are going to go at this Rugby World Cup, um, to be honest with you. Um, so uh, at the weekend, we um, had the sort of, well, not quite final round um, of, um, uh, of, uh, of this. Um, and... Um, uh, and not so much how many two different angles in the press about this either exec not fit for per or or the provinces are not fit. Um, the actual report I think pretty much says both. Uh, in all honesty, um, with you um, on um, uh, on that one. Um, and uh, Robbie asked me to do and best of the up the wars. Uh, yes, this is not the rugby league show. That is on a Wednesday night, folks. Don't forget to uh, join Brad and Richie. Um, as the as the uh, Warriors have made um, the NRL finals this year, um, boy oh boy, they're going to enjoy um, that. But no, this is all Union tonight, um, and we'll kick off by uh, talking about uh, the All Blacks 
um, at the weekend, which had a record loss um, to um, the Springboks at a sold-out Twickenham. Um, and uh, remember that for later, folks, that it was sold out for this game um, of uh, um, uh, this weekend. Um, the uh, I think, to me, this was a game that shows you how important um, that early uh, pressure is. Um, the All Blacks had the ball. Uh, Dwayne Van Mullen went down injured. Get a ruck, didn't roll away. Uh, but the referee blew his whistle because he didn't, also didn't move um, after he had um, uh, been hit. And uh, there was also concern about his injury. And quite right that the, the play was stopped um, at that point. The uh, um, but uh, look, it could really it, that could have been blown as a penalty to the All Blacks. So he didn't roll away. Um, but no, they restarted um, with a uh, scrum, um, which uh, the uh, the All Blacks lost. Uh, to a penalty, and uh, from there the Springboks really didn't look back, um, putting that kick into uh, the 22, getting um, a uh, penalty at the line out, uh, and just turned in, and that just turned into um, pressure where the All Blacks just could never um, get themselves released. And uh, boy, oh boy, um, isn't it funny how join joins us on a weekend, a week after the uh, Springboks have had a uh, record victory over the All Blacks? How are you doing, John? I'm good, thank you, mate. Um, I, I thought I'd just do a little drive-by um, so that we can talk about uh, Fiji beating England. <laughs> we'll I talk about that as well. But, uh, I but can't think of any we'll, possible uh, reason why a South African would want to uh, join you tonight uh, to discuss the weekend's, uh, weekend's matches. Um, <laughs> there's a flat oh, Black Sports, no match play for weeks showed. Do you reckon that was what it was, John? Do you think it was come down to that the uh, the All Blacks just uh, uh, were kind of rusty, hadn't had any um, games for, for a few weeks, um, whereas the uh, Springboks coming off the back of a game against um, Wales and were kind of ready? Just dropped my camera there for a moment. No, I, I don't think it's that. I think it is, it's a confluence of a perfect storm of circumstances. I think that um, it's disingenuous to blame all those penalties on poor discipline from the All Blacks. I think that they came about in part, at least, because of all the All Blacks adhering very much to a, a team plan. I think for the last 15 years, and it started at Canterbury first and uh, in the Crusaders, the Crusaders and the All Blacks have employed a strategy where they will do whatever it takes within their 22 to stop the opposition scoring five and seven. And they are prepared to give away three points if necessary. And they are prepared to, um, to ride the ref to the very edge of what they can possibly get away with. And I'm not uh, blaming them. Um, they have employed that tactic very successfully uh, at both the Crusaders and the All Blacks. And, what normally would happen in this scenario is that uh, the opposition captain would kick a penalty or two penalties or three penalties, whatever, and the All Blacks would get out of their 22. But a combination of both what this being a warm-up game, being at a neutral venue, not part of a competition, wanting to try uh, formations and, and work on moves, whatever it was, or maybe... Maybe, you know, um, a decision by 
um, the Springbok coaching staff and leadership that this is how they're going to tackle the All Blacks, whatever it was, Kolisi refused to kick for poles and just continually, continually, continually kicked into the corner. Part of the, his ability to do that was Marnie Lubbock's kicking because that very first penalty you mentioned came from a restart that was given to the All Blacks after a stinger that Dwayne Vermeulen got on his shoulder. And so they stopped the game for safety reasons, completely understandable, because he wouldn't know as he's lying and he can't feel his arm if he'd had a serious neck injury. So they restart just inside the Springbok half. Um, they restart with a scrum put into the All Blacks, and Ethan de Groot can't hold his bind. And from that, Marnie Lubbock makes an outstanding kick from um, from uh, from the hand, a penalty kick into the All Black 22, and he continued to kick that well, and and even better going forward. And because they held him there over and over and over again, eventually. Um, there was almost no option for the ref to go to the yellow. Now, the, a lot of South African fans, and you, I know you'll scoff at this, a lot of South African fans would say three or four penalties before that. If roles had been reversed, um, the Springboks would have had a yellow three or four penalties before. Um, but be that as it may, I think that actually the All Blacks were following their strategy of what they've employed for at least the last dozen years. However, on top of that came a moment of absolute stupidity from Scott Barrett. Really? Well, that was later on. That was later on. So we have, we have, let's, let's, let, let's, let's try and get past the, uh, the first two minutes because because um, uh, I, I, I guess a couple of points I've got around, around this one was, yes, it was right to blow the whistle for Dwayne Vermeulen's um, who looks injured, but should that have been a penalty for the All Blacks because he didn't roll away? Now I understand why he didn't roll away, but he didn't roll away from the tackle area. So therefore, should should we really have started with with a, a scrum, or 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 or, um, or should it be a penalty to the All Blacks? Next up, if we are restarting at a scrum. Okay, okay, wait. Can I just answer that question? I I thought about this a lot at the time because I saw him lying there right in the path of the halfback. Yep. See, and I thought, oh, that's a straight up penalty. That's a straight up penalty. And I thought he's not moving. He's just lying there. And then I thought, okay, um, something's – and then they called it. And what you don't want to do is you don't want players who ever find themselves in that scenario where they think they may have a major injury thinking that they will not be protected by the ref, that they better – you know, that if they think they're injured, they think they've broken something, they think, oh, if I don't roll away, the ref's going to ping me, right? So – you remember the referee's primary function is not to enforce the laws of the game. The primary function of the referee is to ensure the safety of the players. That's number one. Everything else comes after that. So that is the correct decision. You want to encourage the players to make wise decisions about their health and well-being. You don't want somebody who thinks I've broken something, oh, but I'm going to lose a World Cup if I don't roll away and something tragic happens, you know, or they worsen an injury or something like that. So oh, yeah, I think that was a correct decision. But I do think if De Groot holds his bind, that's a completely different game. Completely. Well, well that's what I was going to say. Is, should, in, in, if you talk about soccer or football, uh, when a player is injured, the ball gets kicked out um, and the the, um, the, the the team who have the injured player then throw the ball back to the, um, the other side saying, thank you for letting our player get looked at. So again, 
um, should effectively should we have uncontested scrums for a restart from an injury? It's a um, it's a than, it's a um, worthwhile it's a worthwhile question to say if the game is stopped for. I mean that's that's a valid a very valid point that you raise that if it's stopped for safety stake, um, the the team that was in possession get either a I suppose either a free kick or a uh, uncontested scrum. I don't know. Yeah, but good point. Yeah, because I I think yeah because because um, I guess my, one of my points I think what we've seen from here and also from the Auckland game as well is how important it is to get that initial territory. Into uh, initial pressure in the opposition twenty-two, and maintain it. Because um, yes. someone um, put in the live chat there, uh, Elvis, yeah, I'm going to use the rusty excuse um, for Auckland. Absolutely, totally agree with you. One of the things we talked about uh, in our rugby chat group was that um, uh, about this was that the All Blacks head, uh, All Blacks coaches have had more access to their players than the Springbok coaches have because a lot of their players play in Europe. Um, therefore, the All Blacks were at a more advanced stage in pre from a preparation point of view back in Auckland um, than the Springboks were. The Springboks were still um, uh, uh, ch changing in the entire squad between games, trying combinations, yes. um, just checking out how people were. Um, and that by now, um, it's uh, the, 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 the Springboks have caught up in their preparation for the Rugby World Cup mm. uh, in the same way. Uh, as to where the All Blacks are um, on that one. Um, Ivan, also yeah, remember, Paul. Let's get smashed into South African. Uh, our South African friend uh, reappears. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I'm here for the England Fiji um, analysis. I don't know what everybody else is referring to. But I would also point out that, remember, unlike New Zealand, it's very easy for us living in New Zealand to forget that South Africa didn't play any rugby. Their players didn't play any rugby, the ones based in South Africa. I'm not just talking Springbok rugby, any rugby for over a year during COVID. And then when they start restarted their international season, they had one game against Georgia and then they were playing the British and Irish Lions. So when it comes to the, the planned evolution, and let's be frank, Russi Erasmus, and Nina Abba, who have worked together for 15 years as, as a coaching duo in one form or another, they are meticulous planners, and they had laid out a planned evolution of the game from what they were playing in 2019, and they couldn't implement it in the 18 months leading up to the, to the Lions test. So they are probably 18 months to two years behind where they thought they would be in preparation for this World Cup. So you're starting to see now the variation. They don't just maul from two or four. They do short lineouts. They do uh, balls at the front, quick balls off the front, quick balls off the back. Both two tries were scored from that. They've got all these variations. So there's a lot more when it comes to planning against, uh, against the, the Springboks, there's a lot more that you have to consider in how they can actually move the ball into a place and then drive it into your defence. Yeah, and, and, and look, the, the, I, we're not, lots of people have talked about this game. It's, it's, it's like four or five days ago now, so I don't, we're not going to go too much more inside, into whether well, there will be certain bits we'll pull out. But um, some, of the, some of the stats that I, that I found interesting looking at the stats are 
that actually the All Blacks had more possession of territory. Sure, they played for um, about 50-odd minutes of the game, slightly more with, with the man down because of the yellow card followed by the red card. Um, that also uh, had, had a bearing on this. But the All Blacks, even in that situation, had more territory, had more possession. They also... But they had more territory inside the all, the Springbok half, but not inside the 22. True. So they, um, had, they might, might have been just inside the half, but there was no comparison inside the red zone. But also, they made the the um, the All Blacks missed 19 tackles, had to make uh, and made 92. The Springboks missed 39 tackles and made ah. 157. So there's a lot more work being done by the by, by the Springboks actually in tackling defensively, and they also missed a lot more tackles as well. But now, okay, but that's also very important to notice how the all the Springbok defensive system works. They don't mind missing tackles if it means that the player steps inwards towards the defense. So they will come from the outside in. And if you step in to break, to miss that tackle and the tackler drives you into where the forwards are, they don't care. So not all of those 39 tackles are the same value as the normal missed tackles because they're actually almost shepherding the ball carrier in towards the center of the field where they trust their forwards to make contact and, and their big um, midfield to make contact and drive the player backwards. The, um, and also, uh, but the, one area that the, the, the Springboks definitely had the upper hand was the line-out, where the um, All Blacks lost 5 out of 15, which is big. Now, on John's comment then about where those missed tackles are from, um, you're seeing um, uh, the... Um, Detroit four, Mostert four, um, uh, De Klerk, um five, and then you got some Moody at centre with four. That's the pushing the players back in. Willemse fullback um, with um, three missed tackles. That's again pushing the players back in. So that's where those yeah. those some of those um, some some of that that is uh, uh, is, yeah. is, uh, is is coming from. And the same with De Klerk because De Klerk is is patrolling on the outside. Right, so he's rushing to the outside to drive the player back in. Um, it, this is, a, I mean, it's a high-risk strategy, and it's only possible to do if you have players playing at 11, 13, and 14 with extreme speed. Because if the ball goes over them to the outside, they need to have both the speed and the agility to turn and chase back. I must say, the, the, um, the Moody intercepts where he loops round um, was uh, was was impressive, and that's clearly something that you say. That's part of that system is to loop yeah. around. If, if you to come inside, if you miss that player, loop around them to try and get the pass that they're going to give. Um, and yes. because you're coming from behind them from their blind side, they're not going to see you coming there as well. Yeah. Um, so that that was a that, that was an impressive uh, intercept by by uh, by yeah. Moody in that one. Oh, don't um, you I don't you mean Aaron sir playing out of position? Don't you mean Aaron sir? Because I thought Aaron had a I, I must say I thought. Aaron had a poor game at wing. I no, he, I mean uh, the intercept. Uh, the intercept was by the try by was by Aronser. Yeah, but the interception I think was by Moody, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, no, the interception was Aronser and he scored. Oh, Moody's was disallowed. Moody's try was ah. disallowed, but that wasn't an intercept. That was a worked. It was no, worked. Well, worked interception rather than the actual work move, but yeah. Um, but I thought Aronser had a, a, a well. I thought he was a bit um, rocks and diamonds. I thought he had some had some poor moments 
um, in that game. And I thought he probably put himself out of being a starting winger for the, for the Springboks. Yeah. Look, how do you keep Colby off the field? Really? Yeah. How do you I keep think Colby? Been, has been is, is playing very well and his ability to move yeah. um, to 13. Uh, Moody and Willems did interception as well, so is, is what Nocturne Rice is saying. So maybe that's it. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so interesting um, tactics by by the Springboks. I think people are going to have to um, get used to. Uh, what we didn't, what, one, one of the um, surprising things actually in this one for me was how little the All Blacks kicked. Only 18 kicks from hand. When we come on to talk about Fiji, England, Fiji kicked more than the All Blacks did, which 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 is something you very very rarely see. Um, Thirty, um, sorry, twenty six kicks by uh, by South Africa. Um, whereas, if you remember when um, the, the All Blacks beat South Africa in um, in Auckland, um, I think that, that kick number was was, was up into uh, was above thirty um, from memory. Mm. Uh, with a lot now, not not deep um, territorial mm. kicks, but lots of cross field kicks, etc. We didn't see that so much mm. uh, in this game. And again, was that down to circumstances um, that, the, or, that the box were closing off those and not showing pictures allowing the kick? Or was mm. it that the All Blacks decided yeah. that that was going to be how they're going to play this game? We don't know those sort of things. Um, uh, from, But um, but interesting, yeah, a lot less kicking from the All Blacks um, in this game as well. I did but, notice, I was at Mount Smart for that game, yeah. and I did notice that, and I haven't watched it um, on the screen, but I did notice in the first half some brilliant tactical planning by the All Black coaching staff is that the box kicks and the chasing kicks were much shorter than normal. So the Springboks had aligned their defense to receive kicks deep and they were dropping those kicks short. And then I couldn't work it out and I haven't, as I said, looked on the screen but somehow the All Blacks were getting blocking players between the defending and oncoming ball, you know, catcher to, who was coming in to jump to get it. They managed to get players between that player and the ball and, and, and the contester, right? So yeah. how they quite did it, I couldn't work it out from where I was in the stands. But then in the second half with the Springboks, there's a, they dropped Wayne Vermeulen into that space, halfway between... Uh, the the receiver at the back for the for the box kick or the high kick, and and where the the rucker mall was, and then that changed the dynamic. So I think they obviously adjusted their patterns of where they were going to put the defenders, changed what the All Blacks could see, and also to be fair, my main concern for the All Blacks, and and I you know, yes I I, I have a very soft historical watching with my dad spot for the Springboks. But my concern for the All Blacks, as somebody who lives in New Zealand, has always been Moanga at 10. And I'm not blaming the, the youngster for for his shortcomings because it's not his fault that he always plays or 97.3% of the time he's playing in behind a pack that's on the front foot. So... How often, whether it's at the Crusaders or the All Blacks, does he get the ball with forwards coming at him the whole time, with with getting the ball on the retreat? And there is a skill that needs to be practiced in that scenario of transferring pressure. And this is what made Dan Carter so amazing, is that even though he also 
played most times behind a winning pack. He had the ability to say, we are not playing here. We are playing there, way out there, people. Where's my finger? Yep. There. We're playing there. And, and transferring and that ball. He also, some, he also had some very experienced players communicating to him um, from, from the back spot. Also but true. We have to move on because we've got a lot to cover um, tonight. Yes. Um, Fiji, finally, England. Um, I've seen comments, two different styles of comments on this one. One that um, uh, this is what the All Blacks needed, a kick up the bum. The other one is, oh dear, the, the All Blacks have to go back to the drawing board and rewrite things. Both of those are bullshit, folks. Um, this no. is not what the All Blacks needed, but it's also no. not the end of the world either. They would have liked exactly. to have won this game. Um, but, exactly. Uh, losing it isn't the end of the world. Yes, it's a record loss. It's another record on Ian Foster's thing, which gives his critics um, another thing to hit him with. But um, but as far as actually uh, the, the, the World Cup chance of the All Blacks, this one doesn't matter that much um, for them. Um, I, I still I, think the All Blacks will beat France. And I still think that the final will be the All Blacks against the Springboks. And then, hey, that's a different story, right? Who knows in a World Cup final if Kulisi will keep on kicking into the corner, right? It's a, a whole different scenario there. Um, but I don't think that the All Blacks faced on Saturday anything, that, or at least on a Saturday morning out of anything like they will face from any other team in the in the World Cup. There's no other team that can do that kind of physical assault on them like the Springboks did. The, um, so, yeah, so, okay, from, from that, from, so, yeah, don't worry too much on the All Blacks. Is it what they wanted? No. Is it the end of the world? No. Uh, and personally, I don't think the, the game against France matters. They're going to get out of the group anyway, so <laughs> that game doesn't matter. For the All Blacks, for, sorry, for the Springboks, though, is this what they needed? I think it is. I think this this, this yes. was fantastic for the Springboks because I think a lot of us were walking into that. Or I was walking into that first game they got against Scotland, thinking Scotland got a real chance here, um, and this was this was exactly the performance they needed to. So they walk into that Scotland game with a lot more confidence. Yes. Um, and I think so. I think from a from a Springbok point of view, this is what they needed, and this sets them up well now. Um, yes. With that, with that, with what was actually the pool of death um, with yeah. Ireland and with Scotland. That um, their next game up against a very would, good Scotland team. This is this was possibly the best Scotland team that um, within living memory. Um, it's just unfortunate for Scotland that they're up against the world, best team in the world in Ireland um, and the third best team in the world in Scotland in in in, in, in um, South Africa. Number two, number, number two, two no, like number two. Right now? Okay, um, but anyway, it's only it's 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 um, it's really unfortunate for Scotland. They're up against the top two teams rank, by according to world rankings in the world at the moment in their pool because boy oh boy they are a good team and it's a real shame for them um but by the way what's ridiculous is that in the world rankings as of today number one number two and number five are all in the same group and whoever goes through of oh, those one two and five this has been hashed so much uh, over and over by so many people. I'm sorry, but we, I'm, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I've got other no, no, to... but I'm saying whoever goes through will then yep. play uh, three and four. So you've got one, two, and five, and by the um, end of the second round, they will have played three and four. So somewhere along the line, the recognition that FIFA, for all their mistakes, have the attitude of we will not compromise the quality of the tournament in order to cater for the fans to come. Make the tournament great 
and that will bring the fans to the tournament rather than try and cater to the fans and maybe affect the quality of the tournament. So anyway, we're, that's we're my logic. We're going to see the semi-finals in the quarterfinal stage. It's as simple as that. Um, let's just move on then to um, the other games of the weekend. We'll, we'll um, just run through Scotland 33, Georgia 6. Good result for Scotland, um, continuing their, their form. Um, really looking forward to that game, opening game against South Africa. That is a real humdinger. Um, probably Paul, the game. The, the, loss, the loss of their captain and fullback. Isn't that a, a real body blow for Scotland? No. Um, he, <laughs> the captain is one of the guys who got chastised for going out drinking afterwards. So I'm not sure he was necessarily... Um, Okay. Uh, that great. Uh, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not quite sure how um, that, that's uh, around. Was he that good a, a leader within? Okay. He was the best player. Um, yes. Yes. For, for a long time. But his injuries are caught up with him. He wasn't the player he was. Um, okay. So I, I, I don't think, to me, I don't think that's, that, that, that's, that's such okay. a loss. I didn't know that. So that's, that's, uh, that's good information to get. Um, the. Um, uh, Italy beat Japan 42-21. Oh, dear. See, I was thinking Japan could really knock out Wales or Australia down to even fourth place in their pool, but it's not looking like it. Italy, well, in all honesty, look, they've got France and... Uh, You're New such Zealand. an Englishman. Good luck for them. Um, <laughs> You're such an... You want Wales and Australia to go to fourth. <laughs> if one of them, uh, okay, I've got a video out of my Patreon, folks, that games that could change world rugby. Those are games that can change world rugby. If Wales or Australia finish fourth and had to qualify for the next rugby World Cup, that changes world rugby. Um, why is so that? Go, Just very um, quickly, well, why? Um, well, why? Go look at my video on Patreon that explains why that changes world rugby. Um, I hope my check is in the mail. The, um, <laughs> with his check in the mail, then, very briefly, essentially... There's no space in the calendar for the games they have to play to qualify for the next Rugby World Cup if you want to have your nation's championship. Your nation's championship, which is World Rugby's oh, big, big thing that they want to have, suddenly can only happen if all the top 12 teams have automatically, yes. automatically qualified for the Rugby World Cup next time. It doesn't work yeah. otherwise. Um Wow. So there you go, folks. Uh, okay. Only for a dollar a month, you can actually see the full one of that and name all the games that are that are okay. key for that to happen. Um, so Italy, Japan, they're Italy, yeah, cruising in. They've got a very easy pull for what they want to do, which is come third, mm. which is what they'll do. Um, mm. <laughs> Portugal lost to Australia, A, 17-30. Sorry, but Portugal are going to be one of the whipping boys of this Rugby World Cup. Good to see mm. them back, but hey. Um, mm. Spain, three, Argentina, 62. Um yeah, <laughs> as an Englishman, that worries me. Well, not really, because I mean, Spain isn't that good. But Argentina going well, uh, a problem there. Ireland I think Argentina could knock over England. England. Argentina could seriously knock over England. They could. We're going to come back to that at the, the, the end. Um, Ireland 17, Samoa 13. Fantastic result for Samoa. Remember, this was yes. Ireland's big team. So don't uh, yeah. don't be down on Ireland. <laughs> don't worry, folks. They're going to come up, come up kicking and screaming in the Rugby World Cup. Finally... Um, no, sorry, Chile 26, Argentina 15 at 28. That's Argentina's second team. Um, mm -hmm. Chile, thank you for turning up. Um, in, enjoy the uh, enjoy the fruits and the wine. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, yep. Um, and then France 41, Australia 17. As I say, Australia could come third or fourth in their pool. Um, <laughs> as could Wales. But mm -hmm. uh, 
that comes down to so yeah, France look tracking well for the Rugby World Cup. Look, our top mm. teams in there: Ireland, South Africa, um, France, all looking good. New Zealand, okay, a bit shaky in this last game, but the rest of the year has been very has, has been has, has, mm. has been beyond what uh, expectations for the All Blacks fans. Um, so I think, look, this is shaping up for a very good Rugby World Cup. As long as you oh. accept your semi-finals are a week earlier than the quarterfinals, um, and um, that uh, yeah, and the, the the semi-finals really are going to be a um, a pass for those top teams who who will meet in the finals. Um, it does mean though um, that you could see Fiji playing in the third fourth playoff, which would be wow. Um, but yeah. um, we'll, uh, that's a, that's the topic for next week when we do our rugby World Cup preview, folks. So uh, how how could how could Fiji end up in the third fourth playoff? Uh, sorry, second uh, yeah third fourth playoff and get a bronze medal at this rugby World Cup. Um, we'll tell you how then. Yeah. Okay. The most important or the biggest result of the weekend, not the All Blacks losing by record margin, but England for the first time ever losing to a tier two team. Yep. In Fiji. Wow. Now, even South Africa lost to Japan. They've lost to a tier two team before, folks. This this reminds us to how big uh, a result this was. Arguably, depending on what happens at the Rugby World Cup, this could be the biggest result of the year. Um, as yes. England losing to Fiji, um, this is this is upset in that same level as Japan beating South Africa at the Rugby World Cup. England have never, and this is at home in Twickenham. Lost, yep. uh, they lost to a Tier Two team, twenty-two thirty. I mean, the, South Africa shouldn't have lost to Japan, but at least it was in what Birmingham or something. You know, it wasn't. They didn't lose on the high felt. In the no. you know uh, fortress uh, fortress Ellis Park or something like that. Um, so this is yeah this is a massive massive result. Um, the uh, uh, for, for 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 Fiji, well done. I mean, and, and this also this is why um, the Fiji and Andrua in Super Rugby is so important, folks. Is that that second strip? Okay. What yep. you've now got is a Fijian team that turn up and. They're all properly strength and conditioned, properly coached, actually get to spend their entire life focusing on being a rugby player, not figuring out what their yep. second job is, um, which is what they've had to do for yep. uh, every other Rugby World Cup until now. So massive. So that, that now this is what the, the, the Fiji Indra, this is what Moana Pacifica mm. will give to Samoa and Tonga mm. in future. Um, so we do need to stick with those teams. Anyone who's suggesting that we should scrap mm. Moana M- 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 Pacifica just because they haven't really done very well in the first two seasons? No. Um, mm. The you take take full time professional players, add in their superstars from Europe, give them a couple of months together, give them some really mm-hmm. good coaches as well, and hey presto, oh, this mm-hmm. is what you get: one very very dangerous team. Um, and great to see them do this and they play they play a rugby once they start get going it's just what a joy to watch yeah and Nocturne writes Fijian can score tries from anywhere better discipline these days as well (laughs) absolutely when's the last time uh, we saw a a, a Pacific Island team Fiji team against a tier 1 team where England conceded 10 penalties Fiji seven. So that, that's that's wow. what the All Blacks. That's what that's what the Springboks. They want to get seven 
the one, a number that lower is fantastic. Um, the, yep. so, which shows you how well they're coached at the moment, how their game management has gone through the roof. Um, on this one, brilliant. Yes, they picked up a yellow card, but look, seven penalties to just ten. They're not getting pinned back in their twenty-two, having to go back to line out malls, which is not yes. their strength. Let me be blunt. Um, they're not having to do that, which is great. Mm. They won nine out of ten of their of, of their scrums. Now, the fact they had ten scrums just shows you how how poor England's handling was and how many <coughs> cons there were. But mm-hmm. to have won nine out of ten again against a scrummaging nation in what in what England is against a typically non-scrummaging nation, fan, very good. Mm. Twelve out of fifteen lineouts again. Okay, not perfect, but still, that's a improvement. So, real good things here um, by Fiji. Um, I yeah didn't see this coming. As I say, England. This has never happened to England before. I've not seen. I've, I've not experienced this before. Ah, God, it's horrible. <laughs> as an England fan, yeah. it's wonderful. Look, we. I mean, you're an Englishman, Paul, and and we are. I'm afraid it's part of your your destiny, probably for for the rest of your days. That when England lose, the rest of us are going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? Uh, you had you had the mightiest empire in the history of the world. Uh, now you've got to take it, right? But um, what I can say is that a Fijian team of fifteen players, a fifteen Fijian rugby team that plays to its potential, is an exceptionally wonderfully exciting thing. For world rugby, absolutely, yep. Add in that they are now ranked higher than Wales in their pool. They That's now this awesome. is one thing that they have to deal with. Can they deal with the fact that they actually go into their pool as favourites to come out of the quarterfinals to qualify the quarterfinals? Yeah. That is a that's a mindset change that I don't think they're ready for. I, uh, yeah. and, and there's no reason why they why, and, and that's not a detrimental thing that's just right. where they've been from what what the expectations are going into this or going into mm. every World Cup um, but to go into mm. actual as, as favourites where the A-list was mm. the, the neutral fans always wanted them to win but expected mm. them to come out and lose in the end this yeah. time the neutral fans going in wanting them to win and actually expecting them to win um Mm. Boy, oh boy! This is a fantastic opportunity for Fiji. Well, let's just hope that that uh, that that, uh, yeah. that mentally that um, the coaching staff can get them in the right place. Um, right. Because boy, oh boy, it will be wonderful to see them through to the um, to the quarterfinals. Uh, to the quarterfinals. Yeah. By the way, is Rad Radra in the squad? Put you um, on the spot. Sorry. Because the, to um, me. He, I know Peter Steph de Toy uh, cracked the nod for player of the tournament and therefore became uh, World Rugby Player of the Year in 2019. To me, Semi Radradra um, was, to me, the player of the tournament. Uh, yes, he played, he played the weekend. Yes. Okay. So, um, okay. You don't know four years later if he's quite the same, but he, he just is everything that you want to see when you go to watch a game of rugby is um, Rod Rodrigo with the ball. Yep. So, look, it's um, a, a lot is going to depend on um, uh, on their number 10. Um, yes. That's been their weakness for some time, is the um, 10. And 
But I do think they have now got two players who can who can play there. Um, right. It was m- months months this weekend, um, but I've gone blank as the other the other player's name who's been doing a very good job there. Um, right. But that game control um, and having that player there is 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 key to them. But um, look, as I say, as a rugby fan, massively excited. Um, as a rugby fan, really upset. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. That with, or not really, but I'm really just despondent with where my team is at yeah. heading into this Rugby World Cup. Um, it is, um, it, it is it's, it's not where, I mean, I, for, for months I've been going, yeah, we'll make it out of our pool, Argentina, Japan. Mm. Um, I've gone blank as to the other team is that we've got, um, mm. Got the, uh, we've got the the uh, I've got, got the tables here. Um, so yeah, England, Argent- uh, England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, Chile. With Samoa going so well against Ireland, um, uh, with um, uh, and with way Argentina are going, look, I think Japan mm. have faded out. So I think England will get through probably in that second place. But yeah, but Argentina again, a very good position to get themselves into winning this, winning, winning that uh, mm. uh, that pool now. Um, but let um, um, me ask you a hard question, Paul. Yes. Was it a mistake to get rid of Eddie Jones? Yes. It or, appears so. Rephrase that. Rephrase that. Um, the timing of it was wrong. You either yes. get him rid of him a year earlier. Yes, that's or, what I mean. When they did, was that the wrong decision? I think so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, and he had... Um, uh, look, uh, it, it's... He, he drug people up the wrong way. Uh, there, were, there were serious question marks as to his coaching staff because they had such high turnover of his assistants. Yes. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I think it was. And a bit like for Australia, um, I think uh, getting rid of Dave Rennick was a mistake because the number of injuries he had to deal with yes. um, and the fact that he very rarely managed to put out a side, he actually a first-choice team. Uh, I don't think right. we got rid of him um, uh, either. So, um the I think the Wales situation is perhaps the only one where, um, yeah, I mean they'd lost to Italy and Georgia for the first time ever, <laughs> or Georgia at least for the first time ever. Um, that, yes. they, they really were in a bad place under under Pivac, it, and, and you couldn't see how it was going to. There was no track record of him taking teams to rugby world cups or or or, or, um, or, or major success. Yes, he'd had some success with the Scarlets. That's very different to an international team. I'm uh, sorry, we're talking about, I missed you there. Uh, Wayne Pivak. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas you, you, you look at your um, Dave Rennie, he's had success with um, 
uh, with, with the Chiefs, he's uh, had succeed that well moderate success perhaps at the uh, at Glasgow. Um, but you can see that yeah, he can bring he can um, bring things right. Um, but um, but yes. So to me, yeah, it was too late for uh, the, the the Wales the Welsh change. Perhaps the only one there that you can that that, that that you can really understand the other ones, and 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 bringing Gatland, who's got um who's got the history, who's got the record of doing yes. it for Wales, you can see how he can do he he could turn things around. Well, and I think I think with the never... Gatland thing, at least when he comes in, if the if it all turns to custard. He doesn't have all that pressure on him where everybody's going to say, you know, be looking at him because he's got, he's got history, he's got yeah. standing, and the and the public trust him. So they're not going to. He, when he sits down at a press conference, even if Wales don't make it out of the group, which is highly likely, he at least has the people's trust that he'll take them down the line somewhere. The issue that um, Borthwick has got is things are so bad and he's got no history with the English public when it comes to trusting him that post this World Cup he can take them somewhere, that he looks increasingly like a man who is absolutely like under siege when it comes to these uh, press conferences. Uh, he has got some history as a, a, a Tigers, but he's also got some history as being the England captain who everyone thought wasn't good enough to basically own, own his place in the team, which was harsh yeah. and probably and perhaps not fair um, at the time. Right. Uh, the, the, the timing of when he was with England um, as captain wasn't, uh, yeah, it was just unfortunate from that point of view. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how that, uh, how that one pans out. <laughs> he's got a five-year contract. Um, you've got England, the RFU, who was sacking um, and removing uh, game development officers because they can't afford them. Um, so can they afford to um, pay out another coach, especially with four years left in his contract? I don't four think years. so. They've already, they've already yes. paid out in Jones. <laughs> a complete left turn, and I don't want to take yeah. us off topic, but just something to think about in the coming weeks, especially if the Springboks go really deep in this tournament and maybe even win it, is who coaches the Springboks? Because if they are double World Cup uh, winners, we know that Ninaba is leaving to go to Ireland to coach Leinster, right? Ulster, Munster, Pickester. Um, so Ninaba's gone. I don't know if they're going to retain Russi in some capacity or not. Who takes over the Springboks? Do the Springboks, do, does the South African, if they are champions, do they have the, the uh, chutzpah to, to get somebody like Dave Rennie? Wow. Um, the, anyway, um, and one, of the, one of the one of the reasons that why I yeah, say so we won't go down this route because we've got to talk about some New Zealand rugby um, in a second here. Um, but one of the things also is the reason that the way the reason that some um, Razi is working as director of rugby in a very hands-on role is because him and Neymar have, uh, have have got a very long relationship of working together. Um, is there anyone I else like who this. can come in and sit there? And be comfortable with the amount of involvement that um, Razi has with it. I don't know exactly. Um, well, exactly. So, anyway, um, fantastic for Fiji, disastrous for England. Um, England got themselves. The RFU got themselves in an absolutely horrible situation at the moment, um, both financially and um, uh, with the, <laughs> and with the coaching side potentially, uh, and losing um, domestic um, clubs going broke as well. Um, three in the last 12 months. 
um, yeah, says that there's some serious things wrong with rugby in the in the in England. We know there's serious Paul? things wrong with rugby in Wales. Yep. Paul, just a final thought on that. How tragic is it that two weeks out from the World Cup, the final match that England will play in the UK this year, and it's only September, right? There's no end of year tour mm -hmm. uh, in November. That in the final match that they will play on the Friday, All Blacks, Springboks, 82,700 sellouts. And in the Fiji-England game the next day, they couldn't, they couldn't sell out half the stadium, and they had uh, to block it. No, they got sixty-two thousand. So that's um, so oh, that's sorry. I, the last time they must have had a, a a surge of tickets, but like uh, on the Tuesday, it was only at forty thousand people. But uh, you know, normally right. Twickenham is sold out, especially just before a World mm. Cup. You know. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, glaring. Uh, a couple of things. I mean, I. I all the South African and New Zealand expats in London um, weren't Fair buying enough. tickets they were there the night before. Um, <laughs> who would normally have bought tickets that game to, to England versus Fiji? Because hey, when else can you get into Twickenham? Um, so there is an element of that, but that, that doesn't—that's not an excuse. England should be selling out, um, and to, and for South Africa and New Zealand to sell out Twickenham the night before, and England not to sell out, as you say, um, is a damning indictment on the home home nation. Um, and it, yeah. thank you for reminding me. I, I had that on my list of things to talk about, but forgot to mention it. Um, yeah. Um, the um, normally with Northern Hemisphere, the Tier Two game um, has to be sold with a Tier One game joint ticket. Ticketing? Oh, really? Okay. Because I went and saw England versus Argentina when they were a Tier Two nation without having tickets to other games. That's the only game we could get tickets to. Um, so my dad took me to Twickenham. Uh, that's my only time I've been to Twickenham um, to go and see that game. So. Um, Surprised by that, but okay, if that's how it's done nowadays. But um, yeah, look, as it, that should be the only game that you could, as, as a normal punter, you could get tickets to to go to um, Twickenham. Mm. So you do. <laughs> so they should sell out because it's the only exactly. game you can get tickets to. Because um, you can't get tickets to a Six Nations game. You're not going to get tickets to a, um, a, a Tier 1 game because they're all, all those tickets go to the clubs um, and get sold in the clubs. Um, the... Um, uh, yeah, Ireland's very different to England as far as the way they sell tickets. Uh, financially, they've had different uh, issues um, in Ireland. Um, and basically, couldn't basically they over mortgage themselves building their building their stadium, um, and it doesn't really have enough seats. Um, but anyway, uh, Lansdowne Road is wait is isn't the biggest stadium in, uh, in in Dublin. The biggest stadium is used by amateurs, not by professionals. But there you go. Um, that's GAA for you. Okay, then let's move on and let's go off the field then. Boy, oh boy. So a term we've been hearing in New Zealand quite a bit recently is not fit for purpose. <laughs> in rugby circles, anyway, um, we've had the CEO for New Zealand rugby come out and go, oh, the NPC is not fit for purpose. We've had um, New Zealand, the, the All Blacks Twitter feed go, oh, there's no rugby to watch this weekend on the weekend that the NPC and the Farrah Palmer Cup have been playing on. Um, uh, and, uh, and then we, yes, and I say, and we've had the CEO saying that that tournament's not fit for purpose. Well, one reason it's not fit for purpose is because you haven't supported it and you've deliberately run it down. Um, yep. So there you go. Um, and then 
we've had a um, a number an, a, a report come out today that says basically New Zealand rugby is not fit for purpose, which is a, a damning report when that report is written or has been commissioned by New Zealand rugby and by the Players Association. Now, the report is 134 pages long. So I'll be honest, I've not read it all. Um, so um, <laughs> public disclosure there. So I am going off um, a, a couple of things. So the stuff article about it um, and also um, the um, Dylan Clever's um, The Bounce email, um, which is a good email to um, newsletter email to, uh, to to subscribe to if you can. I've not actually, um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't pay for his extended stuff. So I've only got the, 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 um, the opening section of his article, his email from today. Um, but um, yeah, his, uh, let's say he's worth, he's, he's worth um, subscribing to. Um, I'm going to pull out some of the things that, um, that he's pulled out. Um, for example, the chief executive's reporting dashboard has 48 key performance indicators. Most of them are tactical at best and lacking measurability. There's just simply too much what? indistinguishable detail coming to the board. <laughs> Sorry, Mark Robinson has a scorecard that has 48 things on. Some of them you can't measure. Hello, key performance indicator means you have to be able to measure the performance. The fact that he can't measure it, <laughs> measure some of those, is a farce. Can I can I just a, make a one a comment right here? And um, I'm going to be very careful to not um, be overtly political, but we have in New Zealand this issue where the true decision makers that take decisions that result in four, five, six, seven, eight years down the line, things turning into custard are long gone with their golden handshakes, right? And the current administrators get sit, sit with all the egg on their faces. Now, I'm not saying that Mark Robinson, his performance in the last two years has, you know, covered him in gold dust, but I wouldn't be surprised if that 48... Uh, uh, things that he's got on his on his dashboard was set up long before he started, right? Um, and the guys who set up all these and made these decisions, like for instance, kicking South Africa out of Super Rugby, going to a certain, going to the the the, the regional and um, system when it came to Super Rugby back in 2016, all of those guys are long gone, and they're not carrying any responsibility for the decisions that are now the chickens are coming home to roost, right? And I think the famous example of this was when he's the current head of Australian rugby and he, what is his name? He, he's from Durban, but he actually played for, for Wales, Marinos. That's right. Marinos took over the leadership of Sanzar and he famously made this statement under sort of cross-examination in an interview. He said, oh, well, there's never actually been a strategic plan, right? And everybody ran with, the, oh, there's never been a strategic plan for Sanzo. He'd been in the job for three months. And Sanzo had been running for, I think it was 2016, for 20 years. It's not, and everybody, oh, Marinos doesn't know what he's doing. For 20 years. There'd been no, and he's in the job for three months. You can't blame that dude, right? And I think sure. we've got the pattern in New Zealand of people 
running for election and then three years later you turn them over and their decisions over the three years we live in and nobody ever mentions who took these daft decisions. I'd say we'll, we'll, we'll stay clear of the political side of it, please, because uh, I'm trying to work at the elections. Um, and uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. Political, I'll political say to the microphones, Paul had nothing to do with <laughs> the statement. Where are they? Just make so, it clear. Uh, I'm allowed to talk about rugby politics, which is what we're about to do. So we're going to keep it to rugby politics, not to politics politics. Um, the, um, but look, I mean, <laughs> in this one, it's, it's, it's as, as, as um, Dylan Clare says, it's not a perfect document. Um, because basically, it doesn't go and blame. Well, let me let me just point out. I just just point out to you who actually paid for this document, um, and then we'll talk about who has um, who has been mainly blamed for this document um, by this document. So, um, engaging the commissioning parties, um, New Zealand Rugby Union Incorporated and the New Zealand Rugby Players Association, to review and agree at terms of reference and uh, constitute and, and constitute a suitable skilled panel. Right, so this has been paid for by New Zealand Rugby um, and has been um, paid for um, by um, the New Zealand Rugby Players Association. And the key parties here who are blamed are the provincial unions. Surprise, surprise! There we go. What a big surprise that is. Um, now, the New Zealand Rugby executive has also been blamed, but it's been blamed because it's scared of upsetting the provincial unions and therefore won't take leadership. Um, so... Surprise, surprise here that the people who are getting blamed are not the ones... People who didn't pay. <laughs> the people who paid for it are getting told um, there's a lack of leadership in New Zealand rugby, which happens to be you, but we're not going to say you, um, <laughs> which is kind of amusing um, here. So, um, and look, this basically comes down to... Um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, uh, Simon said, yeah, it feels like um, these documents are Groundhog Day. Quite um, right, Simon. Because the document says, we all agree that the, the current situation isn't working, right? And uh, I think we agree with that. And, and we've had a number of reports saying that. What we can't do, though, is agree on how, the, uh, how to fix it. Because basically, there are two main ways of, uh, of, of fixing this, or two views of how to fix it. From New Zealand Rugby's point of view, what they want to do and is take control of the professional side of the game, the high performance side of the game, and control that centrally, and allow and, and say that the provincial unions look after um, purely uh, um, amateur the, rugby. Uh, well, amateur um, um, participation side of the game. Yes, um, and that New Zealand amateur rugby, and community rugby and schools rugby and yeah, yeah, participation amateur. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the and the New Zealand rugby centrally controls. A high performance rugby, um, and yes. which is where all the money comes in, funnily enough, um, and where they would spend their money. Right. The province's point of view is that actually New Zealand, New Zealand rugby is strong when provincial rugby is strong, um, and that actually, um, if you if you centralise it, you'll end up with five high performance units out of Auckland, Hamilton, Wellington, um, Christchurch, and Dunedin, i.e., your super rugby centres. And that everybody else, all the kids who live outside of those places, have no chance of being professional rugby players. And they say, no, um, we should have high performance structures through all the provinces so that all kids have an opportunity um, to yeah. play. Um, so basically, you've got one crowd who go, what we want, uh, the way to fix this is a centralised model. And you have the other crowd who vote. So the crowd who run the run the thing say want, want a central centralised model. The crowd who vote to decide who runs the thing 
want to have a decentralized model. Um, and so the two main stakeholders in this have diametrically opposite solutions to the problem, um, yes. uh, which is why we've ended up with this impasse, because basically you're asking, or New Zealand is asking the provinces to vote for Christmas as oh. turkeys and that they get wiped out yes. of having a say so that the New Zealand rugby can run things their way. Uh, what this document says is the board should be should be appointed independently, i.e. not voted on for, not voted on by the provincial unions. And mm -hmm. there should be an independent or there, there should be a stakeholder committee, i.e. not the Council of Provincial Unions um, providing governance. So hence, this is basically saying site or basically this document is saying what New Zealand Rugby wants it to do, which is saying provincial unions, your job is participation. You, we will involve you there. But um, actually running of the game should have 15 stakeholders, including Sports New Zealand, um, the Maori Rugby Association, um, Women's uh, Rugby Association um, and things. And actually provincial unions won't have a seat on that part. There'll be three seats there for New Zealand Rugby, which I guess would include should include for some some way the provincial unions. Um, so, yeah, to make this pass, seventy five percent of the provincial unions have got to vote for it. Turkeys, so, turkeys, like you said, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. You can't agree on a solution. Yeah, it seems to me that New Zealand desperately needs uh, another Sir Jock Hobbs to come riding to the rescue because the leadership that he provided in 96, that period, 96, 97, 98, is really what set New Zealand up for the incredible run of success over the last 20 years was his uh, servant-hearted leadership where the best for New Zealand rugby was put ahead of everything else, right? And it wasn't about who can get the best tickets to the most number of test matches and uh, who can go on whatever junk it might, it might be to uh, Johannesburg. Um, so, you know, maybe it's time to put out the distress call and say, um, uh, not Sir Richie, uh, please will you come riding to the rescue <laughs> and, um, and lead, you know, with that, some leader with that kind of mana to bring everybody together and say we're going there, right? You may not like it, you may not like it, but we're going there because that's what we need, right? And pull the people together. Well, yes, we'll see. Dave Moffat has uh, said that the club's provinces need to pull the finger and call an extraordinary meeting and take control. Um, something that Dave Moffat kind of uh, something similar, I think he said in, in Wales recently. When he tried to become, the, I think he tried to get back into being CEO of Wales Rugby again. Um, we've had Dave Moffat on the channel before, um, so but um, yeah, interesting one there. Um, wasn't he the Wasn't he the previous um, head of New Zealand Rugby, David Moffat, and also Welsh Rugby? Yes. Okay, but was he the one that worked with Brent Impey, or am I thinking of somebody else? No, that's Steve Chu. Steve Chu. Okay, sorry, because Steve Chu and Brent Impey are the major people responsible for this mess that we're in right now. Agreed. Yep. Um, and so, so Moffat yeah, was prior to, to Chew, right? Uh, yeah, he'll be, yeah, Moffat was prior to Chew, uh, sometime prior. I don't, I don't know if he was immediately prior or, 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 or before that. 
even. So probably um, early 2000s or something like that. Uh, late 90s, apparently. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Well, there's an example there. If he was in the late 90s, he would have been in that sort of Sir Jock Hobbs era, right? Um, where Sir Jock Hobbs was the chairman um, and Moffat was probably his um, executive manager of the of the or whatever it is president whatever it may be yeah i will show my ignorance here and say i don't know um as to, to to what what combination they had that fixed things but look what we've got here is is an agreement across the board that the current system does not work right it is yeah. broken everybody agrees yeah. that the problem is we cannot get agreement as to how to fix it the fix that's being suggested by new zealand rugby requires the people who are going to be the most impacted or the most um, stood down from their current yeah. position of, of, of prominence to vote for it. Yes. Um, something's got to change. The problem is <laughs> what? How, how, do, how do you get the people who are going to be the, the most impacted or the most negatively impacted by that change in their point of view mm. to vote for something like this? Um, and you know what really concerns me as well, Paul, is that if South Africa do win the World Cup, which means that for the first time they will have carried over some level of dominance from one World Cup to another, even though they did have a dip in the middle. Um, and then they have obviously a tremendous marketing appeal. And they decide, um, and I, I mean, you've always said it's very difficult to actually pull it off, but if they if they potentially bring huge numbers of eyeballs to the six nations and they get invited to join that competition and leave Sanzar completely where what does new zealand do income wise oh look that that in and i, and I hate to sort of that becomes the I, we, we have already got a game that um is seriously concentrated into a very few number of nations Right. right. We know that by the fact that we've only had four nations ever win the Rugby World Cup. Right. Yes. Um, the, and we've only ever really had five nations who ever even looked like winning the Rugby World Cup. That's expanded yes. to six this time. Right. France is the only other team that's ever looks remotely like winning it. Now, yes. Ireland, for the first time ever, looked like they have a chance. Um, yes. The, by, if, if, if South Africa joined the six nations, then basically Australian and New Zealand rugby die, and you 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 basically go from being something that has about ten top teams to only having six. Um, it, it, it concentrates it and kills off rugby even more. Um, the um, so to my mind, yeah, like, it, it would be the end of the end of international rugby um, if it would happen. I can't see it. I can't see the extremely traditional Six Nations allowing voting for it either. Um, but if the money talks, money does talk. Happen? I agree. Big, but remember, um, the Six Nations were something like twelve years after the Rugby World Cup in adding bonus points. It took them twelve years, <laughs> so <laughs> they yeah. move extremely slowly on these things. Yes. Um, so the um, so yes, I, I uh, money does talk, and money is a big issue, particularly for the RFU currently. Um, yes, and also the Welsh Rugby Union. So you've got two votes straight away if there's money involved. Um, Ireland, 
Scotland, um, France, not so much. Italy would vote against it because it means them getting kicked out, essentially. <laughs> um, so um, LB says um, uh, the Six Nations went, don't even want Georgia. Um, so they went at the box. Look, they'd had the box well ahead of Georgia. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the Georgia, A, Georgia has no money. It's not a it's financially country, yes. country that has the They won't bring eyeballs to the screen. Um, That's the problem. They won't bring eyeballs to the screen. Um, and they don't have any domestic eyeballs to pay for things. Whereas um, the Springboks will do have a, uh, a certain level of cachet. It's not as big as the All Blacks cachet, as we've seen the All Blacks fill out stadiums right. in the USA, which is a totally non-rugby work place. But right. it's still is. But they've also got a very big domestic um, eyeball audience as well that's significant. Um, and they have they, this, the, the thing is they have the second largest cachet. They're not the All Blacks. The All Blacks is yeah. way up here, right? But so far as marketing uh, around the world as a, as a general impact, the Springboks are the next next one down, right? And if that's why I say if they if they do win this World Cup and they do have that that pull, that marketing pull, and um, and they've got his talismanic captain, and he's part of a major. I can't remember which one it's. I think it's uh, Jay Z's, whatever his um, yeah, marketing yeah. group. That couldn't. That, that group also co-owns the Sharks, and they get involved and they present something to the to the Six Nations that that does some tables and addresses some of these cash flow issues for the for the Premiership clubs in the UK. Um, yeah, it's it's it will be bad bad news for New Zealand rugby. Absolutely. I, I, well, I think it'd be bad news for rugby globally. Uh, yeah, generally, uh, not, not just New Zealand rugby, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be yeah, it'd be death of rugby New, New Zealand. Look, um, this is another report saying that we need to change things in New Zealand. There's, but I say I just can't see how it's going to happen um, because I say it, it's it's they they're. Um, and I don't I don't um, agree necessarily with what's being suggested here. Um, I'm not sure I agree also with entirely with the provincial unions and the provincial unions right. are not blameless folks. Um, they could do a lot better uh, at marketing their own game, yeah, um, than they do, um, and they should do a lot Huge. better than they do. I mean, they've, um, they they haven't um, have they really capitalised on their women winning that incredible World Cup win last year. Um, Where's look, I mean, LB says, Razzie has said before that he won't leave the rugby championship. He knows that it will do to the box and rugby as a whole. Um, sure. We've also had um, New Zealand rugby and, okay, um, I'm not, I'm not going to tar Razzie with the same brush, but New Zealand rugby um, say before that actually one of the, sh the things that makes the All Blacks strong is travelling to South Africa and playing Super Rugby there. All right? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't stop them leaving when it was appropriate for them. Um, times change. For folks, right? Just because they say something one uh, at some point, what they say, then people are allowed to change their opinions. Um, their opinions do change, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. just because someone said something, at one there was point, a comment just there was a comment just before that about rugby barring France and and uh, SA being run in a very elitist manner to the detriment of all other nations in each individual nation. So it's being treated as a very elitist sport. I could. Mm -hmm. I didn't note the name of the previous comment, right? Um, oh, oh that's from by the reviewer, <clears throat> and uh, 
And he's got a point there. Certainly, it's a much more working man's game in France. Much more a, it's very much a working man's game in South Africa for sure, right? Um, but yeah, I think that the the problem but, but also, that also um, yes. um, look, um, the uh, South Africa have reached out to Georgia and have put in put into play a um, uh, a working agreement with them, with them to help them grow Georgia. Um, yes. France also um, uh, has also done a lot with with Italy, with Argentina. Um, and yes. also with Georgia as well. Um, those two, they know they're not part of the, um, well, France says it's not part of the Anglo-speaking bloc in the Six Nations. Yes. So it does work with other, other with, with other, uh, about about growing, about trying to grow the game. Um, and yes. South Africa, yeah, look, it's, uh, it, it's very much, it, it's, it's a long way away from anybody else um, and has, and has helped. Um, uh, look, they had the, um, They've had, the, I think, a Georgian team in the Curry Cup. They've had an Argentinian team in the Cup, Curry Cup. Yes. They've put in a um, Namibian team in the, in the Curry Cup. Um, I mean, Argentina rugby in, exists not because in, of South African rugby in, going back to the, the 60s. South Africa sent coaches over there in the 60s to coach the to coach the game. Right? Hmm. It's one of the reasons why. In fact, it is the reason why the Pumas traditionally were such a strong scrummaging nation. Um, is because of that South African influence in growing the game in the 60s. So, yeah, so, so, look, uh, so, yeah, so agree with the review there. Yeah, look, um, the France, Africa, uh, look, I mean, they still do um, look after their own interests to a certain degree, um, mm. but, they, they, but they do make a much a, a bigger effort than, um, than your RFUs, than your New Zealand rugby's. Um, look, New Zealand rugby, the fact they have only played one test in the Pacific Islands ever is a disgrace. Let's be clear here. It's a shocker. Um, so, um, it's a shocker. The uh, so yeah. So look. So so look. They, they um, yeah. C one nations uh, have have, yeah, have been uh, looking after them, looking after themselves um, at, to the detriment of the game as a whole. And if they grew the game as a whole, they're slow. They're, uh, uh, having the same size, mm. same size slice from a bigger pie gets you more stuff. But fighting for mm. a bigger slice of the same pie doesn't help everyone else. Doesn't help. Doesn't mm. help you in long term. Uh, which is what we've seen. And let's not forget um, what France, whatever the skullduggery that France did uh, to get this World Cup, by the way, for all the fact that they grow the game, they pulled off um, one day some investigative journalist is going to find out who got this and who got that and who got other to get uh, the IRB to um, vote against or World Rugby, whatever they were at that time, to vote against their own recommendation from their own committee um, and give the this World Cup to France rather than to South Africa. So something was something was somewhere, right? And folks, don't worry. Um, John will keep these chips on his shoulder um, for, oh, yeah, for yeah. a few more decades. I yet. try keep them. I try keep it balanced. I have a few on each, right? <laughs> a few yeah, on so each. On one side, it's the fact that the, the South Africa got chucked out of Super Rugby, and the other side is the fact that South Africa lost. That France stole the Rugby World Cup from South Africa. Yeah. Yes, and then the, I forget his name. That that uh, Australian referee that said to John Smith, "God, yes, you can go talk to your players, and then let the guy take a quick tap and score a try, and then <laughs> go away, go away. I don't want to talk to you." That I forget his name. Hodge was it Hodge? Anyway, I've tried it. You can see I've moved on and dealt with it. <laughs> John's moved on. Absolutely. Um, 
Look, so folks, look, there's a lot more to go through. Obviously, that recommendation report by by uh, the New Zealand Rugby have got have commissioned and the players have commissioned. Uh, so it's got 134 pages. There's a lot more in there. Um, if you want to go and have a read of it, please do. Um, but um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's re- it's repeating um, a lot of um, a lot of stuff that has been put into reports over the last three three or so years that we've had. It's saying the same thing again. Things aren't sustainable. Things need to change, but um, uh, mm. but uh, there don't seem to be any solutions. And again, their solutions, yes, they might fix some of the governance issues. Would they actually fix anything to do with actually? Uh, are there any suggestions in this in this report or in their summary of recommendations to improve participation? I don't see mm. it, folks. <laughs> At the end of the day, and that's the big problem: um, is is participation. Um, we do need to improve that. Let, so, let me tell um, you, there is a problem about participation at schoolboy level. My, you know, I've just had one son who's 20, one son is 18, is about to finish year 13. He's in one of the newest schools. They both were were in it from the very beginning, the older one from the very beginning. The One of the biggest schools in, in Hamilton, a newly built school in the maybe the largest suburb, the fastest growing suburb in New Zealand, which is Rotatuna. In, in Hamilton, and they battle to get a second team at times to play at that school. It's got, I don't know, 1,600 kids in it, right? It's a massive, massive school, and participation at rugby is so low and engagement is so poor, right? And that, that should be like a targeted school for a union to say we want to help this school that draws from such a big area to set up a viable vibrant rugby system to bring through players right and when i see that if you'd said to me when i came to new zealand in seven years ago that i would see rugby participations dropping like this in new zealand at schoolboy level i would have said never that is crazy but here we are. So the review says, do you think that rugby union will still be the biggest sport in New Zealand 30 years from now? Um, LB says that uh, everyone in New Zealand is playing soccer and basketball at school level now. Um, basketball, particularly in the North Shore, is causing some problems for, for, for Harbour rugby, uh, um, definitely. Um, and uh, look, do I think rugby will still be the biggest sport in 30 years' time? Um, possibly, but what it won't be is as big and as dominant as it is now. Right. It might still be the biggest because there is a massive gap between rugby um, and the next level down, uh, financially speaking. The amount of money the rugby gets, the amount of money the next the next tier of, of sport gets, um, it's a chasm. It's an absolute massive gulf. Um, so rugby might still be the most, the biggest one, but it won't be the biggest one allocated like now, which at the moment it's the only show in town. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at, uh, at at sponsoring internationally, it's the only sport you can really sponsor. Even cricket yeah. um, is way down. Um, so, um, yes, I think it probably will still be the biggest sport in New Zealand, but I don't. But but it won't be. Uh, it won't. It, but but there'll be other sports getting close by then. Um, is my well, expectation. Unless unless we get a turnaround, you know. That's my hope, is that um... – And uh, unfortunately, we lost John there. Look, he hopes to turn around. 
we all hope for the turnaround. We we do hope that one of these reports will actually lead um, to uh, to proper um, to proper change. Um, which, um, but uh, let's see if it happens. So, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, and um, uh, I'll be back next week with my, with my Rugby World Cup preview. I'm not sure if that'll be Monday night or Tuesday night. Um, we'll see if we can get John back for that one. Um, hopefully, we'll also get Steve back as well from uh, from down in Dunedin Cornflake. So, thank you everybody. Have a great night, and uh, catch you all next week. 